Hi folks, this is Rachel from Impassioned Art, and I just wanted to tell you a little something about Anchor, the platform that I use to record and produce my podcast, Impassioned Art. If you are like me and have been very nervous to start a podcast, Anchor makes it very straightforward and allows you to share your podcast quickly and record with ease. So I encourage you to get started and no longer put it off because there are easy, helpful ways like using Anchor to make your podcast come to life. Hi folks, and welcome to the Impassioned Art Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel. And today I'm going to be discussing some of the complexities of deconstructing Christianity and really sharing how that can look different for different people. Um, I do apologize if you hear my cat purring in the background. He um, is very needy right now, so he will be around me. But I'm excited to dive into this with you and um, yeah, let's get started. Alright, so you might hear Enzo eating in the background. I also apologize for that, but if I wait for him to stop, um, I'm going to be waiting a long time. So he's just very excited that I'm home right now. Um, So I just want to dive right into this topic. Um, Basically, I know that there are a lot of opinions about deconstruction floating around in the atmosphere. I know that different denominations have different things to say on it. I know that, you know, those of us who do severe deconstruction um, can sometimes be thought of as heretics. I know that there is just a lot of judgment placed often before attempts to understand. And so I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about how like the reasons people deconstruct are very different and why and how people come to different conclusions are very different and some of the assumptions that go into you know watching people deconstruct so um i guess i'll start with the fact that let's look at christianity at large and there are just a lot of different denominations and with there being a lot of dif- different denominations that itself shows that people have deconstructed Christianity in their own ways and then made new churches around that and then are like, we are convinced we have it right. And then another group of people deconstruct and interpret in a different way. And they're like, no, we're the two true Christians. And this pops up all over the place. And in my own deconstruction, that was a big part of me being like, okay, I don't think the hard and fast Christian rules, the rules of being a Christian and what you need to believe in order to go to heaven, need. I don't think they need to be taken super seriously anymore because look at all these different denominations that disagree and all claim that they're not... um, they're not picking and choosing what scripture says. Like they're the exception. And so that is its own introduction to the reality that everybody deconstructs. You know, everybody, you, you go all the way back to uh, Martin Luther and um, the theses that he nailed to the wall. Like since the beginning of time, people have been 
thinking and rethinking their experiences in religions. And that's really the the foundation of deconstruction. And so that's kind of where we start. Another thing is, you know, this knee-jerk reaction that often happens within Christianity when people are like, I'm deconstructing. I don't know what if this I believe. A lot of that knee-jerk reaction ends up being fear-based. And yes, um, some of it is genuinely a, a fear of where is that person going in eternity? But I would say that most of that reaction is fear for the person themselves, for the for the individual that is still in Christianity. Oftentimes people deconstructing um, forces people to look at their own faith and reevaluate. It forces people to come to terms with things that don't sit right with them about their religion that they have been trying to accommodate um, and can bring to light fears that that person has. And so um, a lot of the just like harsh reacting comes from fear really of one's own confusion in their religion. So, you know, if, if you're out there and you're thinking about how like you don't understand those who are deconstructing and you don't know how to react to them, I would, I would invite you to see that as an invitation to look at your own faith, to really be honest with yourself and to listen to those who are deconstructing because while all of us are going to deconstruct differently and we'll come to different conclusions, we can have nuggets of truth in what we're thinking and ways that we challenge. Like the group of people who are majorly deconstructing can often be a gift to the church because it can highlight ways that the church really isn't being godly, ways that the church actually isn't living out Christ-likeness, ways that the church is actually not doing a lot of listening and rather just um, projecting what they believe the human experience should be rather than actually looking at at it with a case-by-case uniqueness. And so really the whole topic of deconstruction is just like a Will you listen? Will we listen to each other? Will we dare to ask questions? And will we honor each other through that? Um, Because that's a really big deal. Something I've seen a lot of, um, and no one said it to me directly, but I've seen this assumption and I remember carrying this assumption throughout life is if somebody walks away from the faith, they must have not... Um, ever truly encountered Jesus. And being somebody who said that I would never walk away from the faith um, and who has truly encountered Jesus, I'm convinced of it, I know that that assumption is false. And that assumption coming from the church really just says, I would rather believe this than get in touch with the uncomfortable realities that people who have had very real spiritual experiences in the church, still leave. Hmm, why is that? Let's question that. Let's learn. But it's easier to just be like, well, they never really got in touch with Jesus. So so I'll never be where they are. And like, it's just a lot of those responses are this um, attempt to cling to a black and white understanding of the world when really it is so gray. 
honestly, um, one of the books that really helped me to start um, getting in touch with how gray the world is and really allowing myself to see how gray and complex spirituality is, is the book Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. First of all, Tozer, there are just so many things that he writes that I just, when I've opened his books, I've been like, you and I are of one accord. Like your spirit is very similar to mine or was very similar to mine. Um, But the book Knowledge of the Holy is, it's actually pretty short, but it is such a powerful read because it's really about how, you know, if God does exist um, in the form that Christianity says he or they does, um, then really God is the one who has given humanity language in which to engage with him. So God is outside of that language. And every time we think we know, we have, every time we think we have God pinned down, God is outside of that because God is the one who gave us uh, thinking and words in order to understand what he has deemed appropriate to understand about him. And so basically it's just this like, don't ever get too comfortable in your understanding of God because God is so outside of you. And I love that because it really, really challenges the idea that things are black and white and everything can be explained through the Christian Bible. Like it's just, it's way more complex. And so that was a huge invitation. I really, honestly, no matter where you're at in life with spirituality, from what I can remember, that book is just a really powerful read and just challenges our look at spirituality at large and has a really near and dear place in my heart. So that, you know, began that comfortability with, yeah, like I'm allowed to see spirituality as a lot more complex than what a lot of Christian teachings say I, or say how I need to to view it. Another assumption that is sometimes true for people is that people leave Christianity based on their experiences with people representing Christianity poorly versus the actual theology. And while this is true for a lot of people, um, that it really is, they actually really resonate with the theology and just have to deconstruct the fact that it was people's poor representation that pushed them away. That's fine. That's other individual stories, but it's not everybody's story who leaves the church. And to be entirely honest, I don't refer to myself as Christian anymore by and large because of the theology. So I'm definitely someone who has had real encounters with Jesus I would say that my encounters in the church and my experiences are very much a mixed bag. I could talk for hours about the trauma and the dangerous teaching that is there, even teaching that seems innocent. Um, But I had amazing friendships in the church. I got amazing experiences. Like I had support at various times. Like it wasn't all negative. So I would actually say that my reasons for leaving the church actually had to do more with the teaching versus the people. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, or at least I can imagine it does. Again, not a lot of people have confronted me on it, but that has been my experience is, um, you know, I only took one theology class and I just audited it. And so it was definitely um, something that, 
I didn't dive as deep into as I could, but as I've mentioned before, I've spent my whole life questioning and learning and challenging and teaching. And so I've been in that soup for a long time. And honestly, that, the, that um, seminary class was really kind of the, the cherry on top of deconstructing I'd already been doing. Um, but I just, and I, I've mentioned this before too. I mean, I got to a point where like, I tried to read through the Bible to try and like come to terms with my faith. And I was having like near panic attacks just because there's so much misogyny in the Old Testament. Um, and as I've mentioned before, there is a lot of theological belief that, you know, the Bible really isn't a historical narrative. And there are parts that are historically accurate, but it's mostly poems and narratives. Um, and that's the way whatever God that does have a voice in um, this Christian Bible was using those avenues versus like a fully historical context um, to speak to people. And through seminary, I was really shown that like, it's okay to believe that scripture is not flawless. Like I do not believe that it is the infallible word of God. I truly believe that God spoke through people into scripture. I do believe that Jesus is some sort of deity. Um, But a lot of the other stuff is wrong. And I truly believe is very much influenced by man's understanding. I think that believing that Paul's words are infallible doesn't make any sense because Paul was post-Jesus and just like all of we are. And so it makes sense that he would be doing the best with his understanding that he could. But to believe that his words are flawless, to me, it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense that we would believe that thoroughly, but we are not applying that to anyone else who is alive today, it's just very inconsistent. Um, In addition, I looked at a lot of the ways that Christians decide to emphasize certain topics over others in the Bible. Like it's, you know, um, Jesus by and large talked about loving your neighbors and that to know God was to know um, Jesus. And Jesus really just showed like, hanging out with the underdogs and not judging and didn't really seem to have much to say about like sexual relationships. Um, and mostly was about like giving of your wealth and really like anything that you assume, the ways you assume to be more pious than others is probably false. And you should extend a helping hand to other people. Like he was just very progressive And I don't really see that by and large being represented by the church. And I do think, I do believe um, that rather than Jesus's message being this hard and fast, you need to believe these very specific things in order to go to heaven. I think that his life really proved that like to know God is to be loving towards each other. And we know God to the degree that we do that for each other. Um, That's really what I see mirrored in Jesus's life. Now, I know there are some ways that he does talk about the kingdom of heaven, but again, I think a lot of that is really tied up in the idea of loving one another um, rather than a really, really specific interpretation of who God is. But, you know, you can get into lots of conversations about that. And obviously... 
there's still lots of learning and thinking to do in that area for anybody. But um, I do see that being more of who God is versus the inconsistencies that I see in scripture. Like, for example, I have thought a lot about Old Testament versus New Testament and ways that Christians really rationalize it to themselves. Whereas I think it's pretty irrational. Like, I'm this I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I really do believe that a lot of the interpretations of scripture and the actual writing in the Bible conditions people to be in abusive relationships. Because this God from the Old Testament, you say that Jesus comes. So this God in the Old Testament is very much rule structured. If you don't do this, you'll die. We're going to I'm going to instruct you to go kill other people and we're like you grow up being like, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Because God knows best and we have to trust God. But he would just like totally destroy people at random times. And we're like, no, we've got to trust God, whatever. Then suddenly Jesus comes into the picture and Jesus is like, why are you all obsessed with rule following? Like Pharisees, what's your problem? And I'm thinking, because literally this interpretation of God and the way quote unquote God shows up to people in the Old Testament is all about rules and fear. So of course the Pharisees are going to be taken out on a power trip. And suddenly we're supposed to believe that God is the safe, gracious being in Jesus when really that's not the God in the Old Testament. Not to mention, so that so that really sets you up to be like, well, I just have to trust the inconsistencies of God all while also being preached at that God is... Um, is consistent and God is not a God of chaos and whatever. And I'm like, "Mm, actually, I think that's a direct contradiction of what we see in scripture and what I've experienced in reading and being taught things about this Bible. So um, that's all an element that I have personally witnessed. Um, Another element that really started to bother me is that And I think this is a big reason why we find that a lot of churches and Christians remove themselves from societal conversations and from looking out for people is that there's a lot of unhealthy justification of things that happen in scripture. For example, lots of misogyny, lots of enslavement of women, um, people literally giving their daughters up for rape so that angels aren't touched. Like there is really very much like, This is all a spiritual thing. Like sometimes we just need to sacrifice women for this. But like one of the stories that bothers me so much is um, you look at the life of David and it talks about how he was a man after God's own heart. And yet he actively had a man killed and then um, raped that man's wife. And then as punishment to David for doing all of this stuff, this woman who he has raped um, loses a child. And don't get me wrong, that's probably a blessing for this woman because most women don't want to carry a child that they were that came about from rape. But regardless, the whole center of the story is on David. And I'm sorry, losing a child in this mix, like you actively abused this woman. You hurt her. Like, why is why is nobody in this story focused on her well being and her trauma and her trauma repair? 
And it just seems like God doesn't really care about that element. And I've heard that story taught so many times about how about David's spiritual journey and like, look how much God forgives and this and that. And I'm like, no, no, we're not going to be using rape of women as this and excusing that as this spiritual journey of learning. Like that's a that's a life. That's a human body. And I got I I'm honestly I get so enraged looking at how okay this God's is said to care, but I don't see God consistently looking out for women's rights until Jesus. And so I'm I'm sorry, I, I'm not excusing that. And I think that that primes by and large men in Christianity to not take sexual assault seriously. I mean, I have watched so much excuse happen in churches regarding like, I know it's a hard struggle and there's so much attitude put towards women about like, it's women's job to cover up. It's women's job to do all this because otherwise we can't help ourselves. And like, but look at David was a man after God's own heart. It's like, it must not be as big of a deal to sexually assault, you know, women. And I, I've talked to men in the church who are like, yeah, you know, at men's retreats and conferences, nobody is talking about that. Nobody is talking about the numbers of rape and sexual assault. Like, no, I just, it's so rare to encounter a Christian man who cares, who is speaking out on behalf of me too, or any of that stuff. And I truly believe that is conditioned down to not just interpretation, but the actual words written in the Bible. So yeah, I have a problem with the theology. I have a problem with the teaching. And it isn't just based on my reasoning for deconstructing is not just based on um, bad experiences with people. But I see these huge systemic issues in Christianity that just pushes people away from accountability and is rather like, no, this is the hard and fast thing. We just have to trust God no matter what topsy-turvy things are happening. And that's our way to cope with how this world is messy and how it looks but I'm sorry, I'm not going to trust my well-being to a God that doesn't actually seem to care if women get raped, you know? And um, our, I, I've watched the church kind of cope with these inconsistencies by making these stories broad, spiritual lessons. And um, I just don't agree with that. I think that that puts a lot of people in harm's way and causes a lot of people to be pushed to the side when their experiences are a heck of a lot more messy than that. So these are some of the things that I've wrestled with, especially the last couple of years, but honestly have been wrestling with for a very long time because I've watched these inconsistencies happen. And don't get me wrong, you know, when you are in it, There are certainly ways that scripture really does come to life as a living, breathing thing where you feel like God is really bringing your understanding of scripture to the surface based on the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm really not trying to discount that. And I also don't in any way believe that every Christian's experience is wrong. But I really do have to point out that like we do have to deconstruct all of this. And, you know, that leads me to um, the topic of just believing that, you know, the Bible doesn't have error in it. 
because I have talked to people who are like, well, I leave, I, excuse me, I live my life based on the instruction of the Bible. And so then therefore they're like, you know, I am going by truth. But the error in that is that um, you are a human being who does not see everything well. You are coming, you are reading scripture from your own trauma, from your own um, societal upbringing, from your own class. And so there is a lot that you are going to naturally get wrong in your interpretations, even if the Holy Spirit is leading you. And so to say, well, I, I look at the world through a scriptural lens, therefore that's my guidance, is fine, but you have to understand that you are a human being who is going to actively be interpreting these things incorrectly. Not to mention that the whole Bible in English is very different from the original language and we have lost a lot in translation. And um, some of the translators have admitted to not getting stuff like the topic of homosexuality correct in scripture. And so this whole topic of deconstruction is by and large this invitation to be like, hey, can we admit we're all imperfect people and challenge what we're reading and challenge our experiences and take each other's experiences seriously? Like it's just, it's an invitation to connect and to acknowledge each other and to heal rather than being like, well, you're just wrong, you know? So the final point that I really want to get into, because I know this episode has kind of been all over the place, but I'm trying to share my thoughts as best as I can. Also, my cat's about to jump into a box. So again, there might be background noise. Um, But one of the things I want to talk about is uh, the Christian response to those who are deconstructing. And um, it can be incredibly insensitive and inhuman in a lot of ways. Um, When I started to post a lot of stuff about being queer and about deconstructing, I had so much support. I mean, way more support than negativity. But um, there were also some complete randos who messaged me, people I hadn't spoken to since high school, who suddenly thought it was okay to message me and talk about and tell me that I must know deep down that I'm sinning and that they're tearing up writing this and projecting what they think they know about my life, even though they have not checked in once in a long while. That's just really insensitive. And it is bottom bottom line, not Christ-like. Uh, Christ talks about like, you know, casting the first stone and taking the log out of your own eye. Like, This need to tear down someone else's freedom immediately says way more about you than them. And also, can we treat people like people? There's so much toxic teaching in the church. Like we use words like fellowship in order to just hang out. Can we just be people? And everything has to be hyper spiritual when like, why can't we just laugh and play video games and play card games and just and dance and just have a good time. Like, why does it all have to be these Christian words when it's just like, let's hang out, you know? But this idea of fellowship and being a true Christian friend means um, constantly calling each other out for things and feeling like, well, I'm just going to pretend that, um, or I'm going to t- tell myself that God told me it was okay to just interject into this person's life 
even though you don't have that rapport or trust as friendship as a baseline, like these are really problematic assumptions and teachings in Christianity and it's just not okay. And if you take even half of a second to just stop when you have the urge to be like, I think you're sinning to somebody that like you literally haven't spoken to in so long, just stop a second and think about as a human being outside of Christianity, is this appropriate? Do I have that rapport with that person where we can challenge each other on things? If the answer is no, then just don't do it. Why would I care what you have to say when we have not spoken in years? And also, it's insulting when people message me like that and then throw scripture at me because I'm like, my friends, excuse me, you have known me through my hyper-Christian stages, you know me to know a lot of scripture. I am coming to the conclusions that I have not based on stupidity and ignorance, but based on a lot of challenging internal work. And so it is insulting to throw scripture at me as if I don't know that scripture, to assume that I'm somehow just giving in to lust and to to the sins of the world. I'm like, no, I am truly being Rachel for the first time in my life. And I cannot tell you how many people, including family members have been like, nobody can deny that Rachel is more at peace and happier than they have ever been. That's just been a reality of this process. And to actively deny that and to spew your own beliefs instead of listening and trusting my individual experience, like all that does is cause harm. That's all it does. And so please, if you are thinking about sending those kind of messages and believing that you know someone else's experience better than they do, please stop and rethink and think about what's appropriate um, because that is not appropriate. Not to mention, I think that thinking is a big reason that There are a lot of dismissals of racism by a lot of people in the church and not all of them. Believe me, I know I I do know a lot of people in the church who are very progressive and are fighting for other people's rights, but there is a large dismissal of other people's experiences and realities based on this assumption that, well, like I have this authority with God, therefore, I know better for you than you do for yourself. And that, I, I just believe that there are so many accepted beliefs and traditions within Christianity that have become so harmful in so many areas of life. And deconstruction invites us to look at that. And it's okay if you, if your deconstruction looks like staying within the church, I don't really care. But It should be this invitation of challenging each other and realizing that we don't have the full picture as just one individual person. And it's stopping ourselves and being like, what are my assumptions about those who are deconstructing? And and in what ways am I just assuming these things in order to make myself feel better about where I'm at? Um, So those are a lot of the things that I have to say. Um, Oh, one last thing too. There's this book that I started to read. Um in seminary that I, I've read half of it and I will put the title in this episode description and, and who it's by because I don't remember who it's by off the top of my head. But um, I believe it's called Exploring the Bible. And 
in one of the first chapters, something that's discussed is it's super important to study the Bible in community and specifically with people who are different races than you, uh, different genders, um, because, and, and to study with oppressed individuals because um, though different people will be triggered by different things in scripture and also see different truths based on life experience. And so it's actually really important to be studying the Bible in communities that will see it differently because that's when you see the full truth and what where newer truths get pulled out of scripture. Because, you know, if you're just a white cis man from a privileged uh, income, there's a lot you're going to be missing in scripture. And yes, there might be things that you can pull out of it that someone else can't. Absolutely. I'm not saying you don't have spiritual authority, but you are going to miss a lot if you don't have women or non-binary individuals in the room um, or queer individuals, um, you know, or um, people of color. You know, your reality is not the only reality, just like my reality is not the only lived experience. And it's, it does not, you know, we all have valuable things to draw out of scripture. So, you know, that's, that, those are my, my main thoughts for today. And I do want to clarify that I put a big stress on the raping of women, but I mean, any dismissal of any rape of any person is not okay and is, yeah, is just not good. But specifically in scripture, that seems to be an attitude towards women, which is why I say it that way. And also, you know, I, I have shared a lot in this podcast, I mean, in this episode about a lot of thoughts, which shows how messy I think uh, spirituality is. But like some of the inconsistencies between the Old Testament and the New Testament, like I believe a lot more in the spiritual embodiment of Jesus versus stuff that happened in the Old Testament. And I hope that was getting through in the things that I was saying. Um, yeah, so those were just some some additional thoughts that I had. And also just like, again, encouraging you to um, use the things that I'm saying as an invitation to think through things versus me trying, <laughs> you might've heard my cat just now, but uh, instead of you feeling like I'm, or coming across like I think anybody is um, unintelligent for being a Christian. I don't mean that at all. This is more of an open discussion of, here are a lot of the problems I have with this stuff. And um, yeah. Oh, and, and also on the topic of like feeling insulting when people throw scripture at me, a lot of that also feels like this attempt to simplify my story and also to make other people feel more intelligent. Like, well, you must have just given into some kind of a lie. You've been duped, not me. And that's really, really hurtful um, because that's not the case. You know, most people who have gone through deconstruction or are in deconstruction are doing so because they carry a lot of thoughts and experiences on the topic. So in conclusion, I just want to reiterate again that everybody's deconstruction journey is different. 
We have to be really careful about the assumptions of people's spiritual experiences when we witness them deconstructing. Um, I do also want to add in that rage is a really important part of deconstructing. So if somebody is really angry with the church, like they are healthily, most likely healthily going through that. Um, But ultimately, the whole topic of deconstruction is an invitation to listen to each other, to get to know the spiritual in a deeper, more complex way, and to um, open up spaces of healing for ourselves and each other as we question our own experiences and internalized beliefs. So I'm so excited that you all listened in and I'm really excited for future episodes. Thank you so much.